In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Growing up, I had no concept of a God who created the world, much less a God who had a story to tell. I watched Charlie Brown's Christmas, and I heard Linus recite Luke and then tell Charlie, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And it warmed my heart, but I had no idea what the story was all about. Even when I became a Christian, I didn't know the full story. For 30 years, I had no idea what Advent was. I, I thought Christmas was one day that we celebrated Jesus coming in the manger. I didn't know we were also looking for his coming again to receive us to himself. You know, I didn't even know we had a Christian calendar. I'm so grateful to be part of a church tradition that centers its life around a Christian calendar that tells God's story and of, it tells how we are a part of that story. I love that we have a prayer book that includes daily office scripture readings and colics that are weekly. They provide a firm trellis for us to grow into the people that God has created us to be. This is our fourth Sunday of Advent. Our prayer book calls for us to offer our conscience to God, to purify by daily visitation that God's Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming will find in us a mansion prepared for himself. A mansion prepared for himself. When Jesus comes again, He's coming to find in us a mansion prepared for him to receive us. What kind of mansion do you think he's going to be looking for? I think our text today answers that question. Micah, Micah gives us a clear picture in verse 2. From you, Bethlehem, shall come forth for me one who is to rule. And verse 4. He shall stand. That word stand doesn't just mean like me standing here. It actually has the, the sense of forever, persevering forever. So he shall stand forever and feed. Feed actually in, in the Greek, I'm sorry, in the Hebrew, means also to rule. So he shall stand forever and rule in the strength of the Lord. Of the, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. The people will live securely and in peace because he is their ruler. His rule is equated with shepherding. Shepherding is the rule of a shepherd is equated with um, tenderness and um, care and trust. Sheep trust their shepherd implicitly with all of their being. So whatever you imagine the mansion looks like, it will be pleasing to Jesus Christ when he comes again if it's ruled by the one who 
comes from Bethlehem. The epistle of Hebrews has a treasure for us to place inside that mansion. Verse 5, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Well, that phrase, but a body you have prepared for me, that's the translation from the Greek Septuagint. But when you look at the Masoretic text, the Hebrew text, it translates like this. Ears you have dug for me. Now, we don't know why the translators changed it to, but a body you've prepared for me. Maybe they didn't like the picture that ears you have dug for me painted. I mean, it is kind of an ugly picture. But either way, either of those translations carries the same meaning. God's desire, God's desire was never for sacrifice and offerings. Sacrifice and offerings were instituted to purge the conscience, partly to purge the conscience of his people so that they could be in a relationship with him. If they didn't have conscience that were muddied by refusing God's rule in the garden, right, the first order would have never been instituted. But because we're all, all of us, descended from Adam, we all share in the same muddied conscience. And so the first order was instituted. But God always had another story. He would prepare for himself a body. He would prepare a body that had deep ears to hear, to listen to his will, and to do his will. His will so that the sacrifice and offerings would be once and for all no longer would people have to go and kill an animal to purge their conscience. All they would have to do is come to the altar where the holy lamb of God had been slain and receive the forgiveness that's already there, and they could live. Hebrews, in, uh, the Hebrew conscience or uh, idea of conscience isn't good or bad. You know, it isn't like Pinocchio. <laughs> Their idea of conscience is one that is quiet or one that is disruptive. So the treasure in our mansion from Hebrews is a quiet conscience through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The ruler from Bethlehem shows his power by giving of himself. He comes in the fetus of Mary's womb to be birthed and to live in the flesh with the purpose of doing away with the sacrifices and offerings forever. When he comes again, anyone who trusts in and depends on the offered body of the Lord Jesus Christ instead of trusting in their own righteousness, and their own ability to do good, will be met with a well-done, good and faithful servant, great mansion you live in. Whatever you imagine the mansion to be, it will contain people who listen to and care about the will of the one who comes from Bethlehem. And so we come to our Lucan passage. The picture of a mansion enfleshed once again. Mary is carrying the body that God the Father has prepared for Jesus. And in those days, Mary set out with haste. 
haste in our culture carries the connotation that we need to slow down, right? Be present. Stop rushing. But that's not the con that's not how this word um, is used. The Greek word spude has a sense of excitement, right? So maybe it does make you have a little haste because when you get excited, you do kind of move around again, right? And Mary's excited. She's excited. Why? Because Gabriel has just come to her and he's told her of God's will for her life. He told her how her life story was to intersect with God's grand narrative. What isn't written right at the, but is sure to have happened is an encounter that Mary had with God the Father, God the, uh, the God of the universe. Mary in our text is pregnant, and the Father is God. But before this encounter, she was required to answer yes or no to the invitation to join into this story. And clearly, she understood what the request meant. And why do we know that? How do we know that? Because of her response, be it done unto me according to your word. That's trust. Be it done unto me according to your word. How did Mary possess such a trusting mindset? with a readiness to believe and to put her whole self in the hands of the God of the universe. Well, this mindset would not have come from a, th a formal theological education. She was a woman. She wasn't thought worthy, nor was she able, thought, they didn't think that women were able to receive that kind of an education, no. Her education about God came from the stories that were told day in and day out around the cooking stove, around the watering well, while the ladies were spinning and weaving, and at night around the campfires. Now, books were not in abundance for personal use anyway, not like today, to ensure that the stories were told with accuracy there were people who were charged with that. It was their life, making sure the stories were, were accurate. The Hebrew people were well acquainted with God's story of redemption, love, and faithfulness. Mary would have known God through these stories. And imagine Mary realizing that God was asking her to join him in his story. That's why she was so filled with joy. That's why she was able to forget about the consequences of her decision, and we know that they could have been dire. She could have been stoned to death. But in the moment, God became bigger to her than the world around her. God became bigger to her than the world around her. You know, I don't think her journey to go see Elizabeth was to escape the shame as some of the commentators propose. I don't think so. I think Mary was so blown away by the realness and the greatness of God that she could have cared less what anybody thought 
even her future husband, for that moment at least. Mary's life was about ready to be subsumed into a greater life. Her story, her life story would be forever linked into that greater narrative. Who wouldn't be excited about that? Who wouldn't be filled with joy at the prospect of being in the greater story? You know what? Mary found her purpose for living. Or can we say her purpose found her? Do you know only around 25% of American adults cite having a clear sense of purpose with about what makes their life meaningful, according to one analysis of the subject in the New York Times, while another 40% either claim neutrality on the subject or say that they don't. So 65% of Americans are walking around without any idea of why they are here. I was one of those for many years even as a Christian. Whenever, whatever you imagine the mansion looks like, it, that if it would be pleasing to Jesus Christ when he comes again, that mansion will be filled with the joy that comes from being connected to the greater story, the greater purpose of God's mission of redemption in this earth. When Jesus Christ comes back again, I imagine all of the people in, the, in his mansion erupting in the Magnificat, in Mary's song of praise of the great one who saves. Can you, I, I, I hear, our soul magnifies the Lord. Our spirit rejoices in God our Savior, for he has looked upon us with favor. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent. We're coming into the fourth week of Advent. The next time we come together, we're going to be celebrating the birth of Christ's child, the birth that marks the coming of Jesus, and the birth which makes possible our birth into a living hope through the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, into an inheritance that will never spoil and will never fade. This week, think about, think about the mansion that God is preparing in you, in us, in his church. The mansion of life made possible by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the mansion that he is coming back to receive unto himself. That mansion ruled by the one who came from Bethlehem. A mansion peaceful without a disrupted conscience because of our daily visitation with God's son Jesus. And filled with joy that comes from knowing our purpose within the greater story of God's mission of redemption in this earth. And if you're not a Christian, if you don't know the sweet shepherding of Jesus Christ, if you aren't living with a clear purpose,
that comes from joining in with the grander narrative of the God of all creation. If you haven't met the one who gave himself as a sacrifice so you could live with a quiet conscience before the God who made you, there's no time better than today. Be like Mary and say, be it done unto me according to your word. Be like Mary. Let your heart and your life be built into a mansion. Amen.